0: Welcome to Hard Talk, a podcast that looks at how we use technology, and specifically ICTs, in our daily professional and personal lives. Be it technological advancement in the transport industry, the revolution caused by the mobile phone, I also cover the disruption it is causing in the food and also the building industry. I'm your host, Robert Yawe, an ICT practitioner with over 30 years' experience. This episode of Hard Talk is going to be slightly different from usual. This one was a live panel that I hosted on the CIO East Africa Cloud Forum. Hope you enjoy it. I'll just have my panelists a minute each. Just give us a quick introduction of who you
1: are and why you're seated here. Um, thanks a lot, Robert. So I see you're um, obviously looking at me and you'd like me to start first. Um, Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Amrit Paul. I work for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I'm the services business manager. Uh, my span in the IT industry is probably about 22 odd years. Of course, you can see that by um, the color of my beard, which obviously doesn't put Roberts to shame. Uh, but we've seen an exponential change in the IT industry, and hopefully, we're going to be able to um share a lot of commonality a lot of ideas so i'm looking forward to uh, the panel thank you thank you
2: uh thank you robert uh, my name is uh, bernard cotonia uh, formerly uh, manager at data center networks sbm bank i'm in transition mode uh, i've been in networking all my life uh, now transitioning to cloud on gcp uh, thank you
3: thank you faris um, Faris I've been in the I'm with Pure Infrastructure. We basically help people move to the cloud. I've been in the virtualization and cloud space for the last 17 years, which when you vocalize it makes me seem fairly
0: old. Thank you. You don't tell us what we should know you more of. Pardon? there's something we know you are for, mostly uh, than what you've currently managed.
3: <laughs> I I have had interesting interactions with business
0: partners. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Okay, I suspect somebody was, has a, a gag order, eh? Okay. Now, the panel discussion is future planning. What is your cloud strategy? And a lot of times I think of this in terms of who do you think was the originator of cloud? Anyone who wants to... No one. You don't know who originated the cloud. He was called Abunwasi. You all know Abunwasi? All those who know Abunwasi? Show of hands. What did you people read in school? <laughs> okay, Ibn was a very nice guy who was once told by the king to build him a castle in the sky. And he took on the challenge and he built it. Then when he came to deliver, he showed the king a rope going up into the air and he told the king, fine, make your way to to your new lovely house. What are the chances he made it? Zero, eh? so you see, a cloud is about something out there, and then we're given a rope and told to walk up to it, and I think that's what we need to think seriously about whether we do have access to that cloud. I'll start off with uh, you, Cotonia. You see, you in transition from SBM. What I'd like to ask is, was SBM already in the cloud?
2: Like I said, most of my background has been in banking infrastructure, but uh, I'll answer you this way: banking is a very highly regulated industry. So yes, uh, banks are in the private cloud, but when you talk about a public cloud, you have to involve the regulator. CBK for banks, SASRA for, 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 for SACOS. CBK uses the prudential guidelines as policy. That is yet to be updated. It is in progress. Uh, CBK is looking at uh, the Data Protection Act 2019 with the GDPR to come up with a policy. So, uh, it's, it's a regulatory issue. What's the
0: prudential act?
2: Prudential guidelines. It's, a, it's a 100 page document you can download. And What's the IT? heading
0: apart from just prudential?
2: Okay, it's, it's a policy document covering lending uh, strategy, uh, IT. So
0: what what is CBK's main problem? Is it data residency
2: or? Yes, it's called it's called data sovereignty. Uh, if you go to Tanzania, uh, Uganda, the, ahead of us when it comes to uh, the, the particular uh, subject so
0: that means the data needs to sit at home yes it needs to sit at home but the application can sit in the cloud
2: like i said there's no there's no document so the banks are waiting for that document but you see even, even email if i send you an email it will go to the us and come back so so w- where is. was it what's its sovereignty we don't know we don't know okay
0: yeah. just on the same note is i note even though you seem to be in the cloud you still had the title data center and networks
2: uh, correct traditional data center
0: so so there was an on prem
2: uh, on-prem but co-located yes. I
0: Amrit Pal. We've always thought of HP
1: as a hardware provider So why are you here? that's that's actually an, um, a very good question. and I'll explain to you why because um, you're right HP has traditionally been consistently related back to infrastructure. but if we think about cloud experiences and we think about cloud strategy as you rightfully said so, um, the strong belief here is we must change our perspective to the customer's perspective. So for the customer, the cloud is really not about a destination, right? I mean, at the end of the day, whatever we're calling a cloud, um, essentially is a set of infrastructure, is a set of underpinning services that are sitting, sitting somewhere, whether this is going to be, as, as what we'd heard, heard earlier, um, in a co-location space, whether this is going to be at the edge um, whether this is infrastructure sitting with the hyperscalers. So in terms of the underpinning technology, um, the hardware infrastructure, number one, which is the most critical element because it's something needs to compute, something needs to be able to process, etc. cetera. Um, HPE provides that to very large organizations around the globe. But the more important element of why we're here is because um, recently, I would say probably in the last about eight years, Um, HP saw the shift in strategy for organizations looking for cloud experiences. So part of the, I would say, uh, renaissance of what HP provides as solutions is something called the HP GreenLake. So GreenLake is the portfolio which effectively brings the cloud to your premises. Because um, as what uh, I think it was Kundle who said first thing in the morning, he said 78 percent of organizations Um, will be in hybrid environments. They will not only be running um, into hyperscalers. So our strong belief is that the cloud is an experience, and what that experience essentially entails um, is the cloud economics, it's the cloud experience, and that is what we're able to bring to our customers by virtue of the um, value-add portfolio that HP provides on top of the infrastructure. So HP would mainly be the metal under it? or how far up the the stack? No, 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 it's actually the complete stack, right? So GreenLake is not just the hardware enablement. Um, GreenLake also includes the software stack that allows you to be able to orchestrate, that allows you to be able to manage. Um, And in addition to that, we've got something called the GreenLake management services. So why is it that I'm putting my whatever workloads, whatever use cases are into the hyperscaler environment is because of the complete experiences. It's because of the fact that I've got access to a portal, which allows me to um, enable multi-tenancy environments, which enables me to be able to carve out a space which feels like it belongs only to me, uh, but then it has some form of multi-tenancy on it. The point here really is that HP is able to give you the full stack, not just the infrastructure, the platform itself, which allows you to orchestrate and manage, um, and then the underpinning services in terms of strong SLAs, which give you assurances Um, to the service availability. Okay, thank you. Uh, Faris, he's
0: given us the hardware. Now, you provide something called HCI. Now that the banks are waiting for a document, a summary of a 100-page document?
2: It's going to be longer.
0: Oh, so okay. So we are summarizing a 100-page document to get a 1,000-page document, preferably with photographs.
2: It's a policy document, so it has to be elaborate. Okay.
0: I know government people understand what you mean when you say policy. I'll not pretend to understand it. So Faris, now with this complexity, means that mainly what we should be looking at is more of hybrid cloud solutions. Inevitably, yes. So how would HCI help one, um, an organization, for example, and this you're looking at because the three most critical ones are healthcare, finance, and most likely insurance, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. but basically, You know, the cloud is effectively somebody else's computer. It's just a fancy term for a comp out there. Um, And the thing is, the global providers have had their own software stacks. And over time, these software stacks have either been originated by open source platforms or the commercial vendors originate them and guys in the open source field um, copy them. And over time, the hardware networking and uh, computers become software defined. So all HCI allows companies to do is reduce that cost. So you don't have to have a separate storage array. You can use normal servers and make better use of the storage on those machines um, and reduce your cost of ownership for hardware. That's it. Like That's the biggest thing about HCI. It makes it cheaper to
0: run a private cloud. So that should be really the first step for most organizations that currently have legacy yeah if they want to move into the cloud then HCI becomes the first ideal step
3: ideally like there are multiple approaches and it's never one size fits all because the biggest um roadblock to cloud adoption is not the technology it's the human beings within the organization and so you have to work with whatever skill sets they have so if you find an organization where everything is physical and you know traditional single server single application then your first point of call is just virtualizing that and sort of getting them to use modern applications. If they already have virtual environments and all of that, there may be a hardware refresh with HCI is what's required. Because you see, if you can reduce the hardware footprint, then your colo bill on the other side is smaller. Because you know, when you're paying for colocation, you're paying for every single server you take to the facility. So that's really the benefit. It makes it easier, everything is software defined, And so for instance, if you deploy, let's say, Azure Stack HCI or VMware HCI, you can migrate directly to one of those public clouds. So tomorrow, if you've deployed VMware HCI, you can move to any public cloud provider with um, the trans VMware HCI. If you've deployed, we were talking about a project with him actually recently. If you've deployed Azure Stack HCI, you can move directly to the Azure cloud. So it it provides a nice natural step where your technology is modern enough to be compatible with the cloud so that your developers and your software teams have a similar platform on both sides. So what they're developing on in-house is similar to what's being developed on. Um, And let's say you're... And you know, this issue comes up, especially with group companies. So you are equity bank or a local bank. You own an investment bank that's not regulated, but the rest of the firm is regulated, but you sort of want to standardize on IT.
0: The interesting thing is from, I think, the last panels the issue seems to be that the problem is not the technology yeah. the problem is the mindset but I believe I'm sitting in a room with CIOs which means suit occupants so they should be able to convince the decision makers to shift or not to shift does it mean that maybe we do have a gap
2: the technology is there mm. I've spent some time on GCP uh, hands-on I'll tell you, it is possible to, to achieve uh, certifications like, uh, standard like PCI DSS, the technology is there. For banking, I'll say it again, it's a regulatory issue.
0: Okay, more of what I was looking at is, everyone is saying it's a culture thing, it's a mindset issue. Why is it that the CIO has been unable to effect that within the organization? So far you're the only one who is in corporate. The other two are, are vendors like me.
2: Uh, okay let's approach it from a different angle something like uh, data protection and uh, security security used to be a part of IT but you've noticed uh, the current trend where every organization in terms of banking is appointing a, a CISO so that you have a chief information security officer sitting at the C level C same to a data protection officer uh, it's uh, The technology is there, the knowledge is there, the skills are there. If you ask me, I'll give you an example of uh, about 15 years ago when we uh, we didn't have mobile phones in Kenya. That was because of the the regulations. Our neighbors had mobile phones. When uh, it was allowed in Kenya, within 18 months, we had three times the number of handsets, more than our neighbors combined. I see the same thing happening.
0: Okay, you've thrown a spanner in the works a little there, because then what you're really saying is, with a mobile phone one, it means there's there's potential for adoption, but somebody at policy level had not asked the consumer whether they have a demand.
2: Correct, coupled with the inefficiencies of Telcom Kenya at that time. So couldn't the same be happening
0: in corporates not moving to the cloud, whether private, hybrid, or any other, could it just be that the CIOs and the rest have not asked the end consumers whether they have a demand for what the cloud would provide.
2: If you spend time, uh, what AWS calls the well-architected framework, there is a business case uh, for for the public cloud. I I know that
0: paperwork exists everywhere, but the key issue becomes, are we speaking the business language or not? Because that might be where the gap lies. Because what I've noticed is the minute you replace a tech CEO CIO, with a non-tech CIO, things like cloud and all those things just happen overnight. So could the issue be that there's too much tech sitting at the CIO's location?
2: Possibly, but in a regulated industry, there's a a limit to... How much innovation you can. Uh, yeah. you can that apply. regulated
0: guy at Central Bank the other day told us he's now thinking of crypto, yet for years he kept on screaming how he will never touch crypto. I'll turn this into an open question. Anybody in the audience who feels they can answer the question of whether there is too much tech in the CIO's office? Yes, Paris.
3: I wouldn't blame the CIOs entirely. Uh, oh, I've
0: not blamed anyone. No,
3: no, no, but <laughs> let me finish my train of thought and I'll say something very potentially problematic society progresses one grave at a time. Many times in management the people on the board um, and the shareholders are not willing to invest. And so even when it's clear and I'll give a very um, and this is the problem of the innovator's dilemma Blockbuster was bought by Kaikan and immediately they stopped investments. everyone knew, including the CEO that Netflix was a disruptor. If management is big-headed, the company will collapse and life will move on and they'll be replaced and that's the nature of capitalism. Like, I wouldn't worry too much about it. The CIO will find a job elsewhere. It's the old manager who presided over, you know, like I, I some years back went through an insurance process which, and by the way, it's still the case today where you have to draw on a piece of paper how your accident happened. And I went through that process thinking that the next thing they're going to ask me for is a stencil give me a stencil and a typewriter to type out what happened. And the entire process was very archaic. And you you start seeing the foreign insurance companies coming into Kenya and they're changing. It, the people they're hiring are very Kenyan. Microsoft, and everybody's now up in arms, is hiring Kenyans. The knowledge was there. At times I feel you can't force someone to do what's in their own self-interest. If I, as a CIO, tell you to do X and you say no, I'll do what's rational for me and I'll go back into the job market and find somebody who might listen. And normally what happens when a business person comes in is they might have had a disruption internally and they realize, wait, the market has shifted. Let's get somebody who maybe has some experience. And there is a valid point about being able to articulate the cost of the technology, how it will be able to generate revenue for the company to see. There is a valid argument for that. But I tend to think that the CIO needs to be less technical, and the CTO is supposed to be technical. So those are two very different roles. Uh, CIO
0: is commercial, a CTO focuses on the tech. Faris, you just shot yourself in the leg.
4: Why?
0: HCI says that all the documents I've seen about HCI says 50% drop in capex and 30% drop in opex. If you walk to the board, one slide, one slide, that says. I will reduce my capex by 50 percent and i'll reduce my opex by 30 percent i can assure you unless you have a board of idiots you will get approval immediately ask guys in sales that's 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 no not no no happens. not <laughs> if you go to the board no the problem is we walk to the board and discuss tech if you walk to the board and tell them how they are saving money they don't care how you're going to do technically and in my opinion humble is there's too much tech in the CIO's office, and already you've explained that you're now getting new people sneaking in with new titles. CIO now, I think, is now called Chief Innovation Officer, which now means already title lost, somebody's getting replaced. Then we have now, what you call it, CDOs? Chief, Chief, Data. Everyone is sneaking in and just taking away. So soon enough, where will the CIO end up? Head of IT, thank you. Harry, you had it, you wanted something to say? Uh, thank you, thank you, Bobby. Mine is actually a question and uh, a and, and a nudge. So, so, the the promise of the cloud has always a lot of the time been cost. You know, uh, you know, when you start talking about opex and and it's gonna be cheaper for you to manage your uh, infrastructure. You don't manage your infrastructure, so it's gonna be cheaper for you to have your operations, etc., etc. Uh, but recently a lot of the people who've moved to the cloud are starting to think it's actually more expensive. So I wanted the, the panel to maybe just give us some insights into that. And the other thing is, Stanley, who is sitting right in front of me, was nodding or shaking his head so hard uh, <laughs> that I think he needs to say something. <laughs> Thank you. Harry, because of uh, time, I'll answer that question for you. Most people had no clue of what it was costing them to run on-prem, non-cloud. I can assure you talk to any head of IT and ask them how much power does their data center consume. If you get 1% who know, then send them to me. That simple statistic is how much power you're consuming. Why don't they care about it? It's part of service charge in the building rent. So you don't see it. Yet you ask them, just put a check meter. That's all you need. The power going into your data center, put a check meter, and based on that, get to know what your power is. That's why when you go to Dan, you start fighting with Dan, because Dan knows exactly how much it costs him to generate power. And so he will charge you for every kilowatt that you consume. That's the space, and I think that's why we say that if you do not know what your current costs are, then you don't know what the savings are. And that's why you're getting the reversal that you're talking
5: about. I hope I've answered you, Harry. Yeah. Robert, my name is Jeremy uh, and uh, I'm heading IT in a bank. In support of Cotonia, I want to go back to regulatory uh, impact. And Dan is here with the East Africa Data Center, I mean, Africa Data Center. And uh, I won't blame CIOs for not being, uh, I mean, for being too technical or not. (laughs) I am a living example. I got an approval for doing a hybrid data center a year ago. And uh, the problem was not internal, I had the budget, but one year down the line, I was forced to go and buy the equipment, and ADC are here to witness it. The problem was with Central Bank of Kenya, and I have eight versions of back and forth letters of approval. Uh, Right now, uh, technology is changing, and uh, cloud is inevitable, we are all going to the cloud at some point. Uh, co-banking uh, developers are now developing, uh, I think it's Infosys, if not Terminals, have developing, developed a core banking on the cloud. And they convinced me, based on the cost-benefit analysis th- that you're putting in front. But then risk and compliance come into place and ask you that, what is the governor saying? And so several letters to Central Bank of Kenya, the first one they told you, have you done it right? Show us what you've done, then you do your check. Have you done your own risk assessment? Show us you've, what you've done. Then they're telling you, okay, fine. We are not saying yes. We are also not saying no. But wait a minute. Tell us how you are planning to do it. Then we went to site visit. Then they ask you for how many banks are there. I mean, I tell you, all banks are there. At ADC, we have equity there. We have the NCBA. We have all those people are there. Then they go back and ask you that now. But yours is different. Then they have the equipment there. You, you want some on the cloud and some on-prem. Then the next comes the big question. How are you going to secure it? And I can tell you until today, that is uh, something that started in 2020 in October, on 26th, and today I'm forced to ship equipment. So regulation. And then the next thing that came in when I was just about to hit it was the data protection. And they're telling you that, okay, fine, um, you're going to be in Azure. Where are they having their servers? Then I was clever enough to say at ADC, along Mombasa Road, then they asked what about their (laughs) DR? and they said if the data is going to leave this country, then go buy your equipment. So there's the element of regulation and don't blame the CIO because we can put our business case, place it nicely, and we get the approval, the money was there, and now I had to go for a supplementary budget because now when you come off cloud to the prem, now you're double spending. Mm. Now that is where the language disappears. Going to ask for more budget. But it's not about the CIOs being techies or non-techies. It's all about the regulation. Now, yesterday in another forum like this, someone from the regulator said they have a cloud, but that cloud is within central bank. So, you see, to that, when I tried to justify, I mean, I asked him, uh, what about if I have it offsite, collocated? That is where they have the problem. So, it looks like they have someone needs to pitch this thing with them and in such forums call them to the podium to tell us what is the just the same way they, the, the regulators with the prudential guidelines, they need to actually give us the guide to the cloud. Then we walk the journey with them.
0: Okay. Interestingly, Central Bank told you about cloud. So they had no problem with you being on a cloud infrastructure. On-prem. Private cloud, on-prem. But if you moved it to Dan, still with you collocating your cloud, they would have an issue with it. Okay. Harry is an expert on policy. I'm sure he'll find some way to deal with this issue.
4: Yes. Uh, thank you Bobby. Uh, my name is Stan Gure. I look after Infra for Equity Bank and uh, first things first I think the problem of the CIO you mentioned I think first of all buzzwords come before the reality so cloud 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 but who? what is cloud what does it how is it defined and who is the end-user customer so today Safaricom was in the cloud with their There was a big fanfare. M is coming back home because the customer is here. They are not in Ireland. So we have to de- look at that uh, in as much as we say the cloud is not a magic pill as defined. Uh, Dan is busy trying to build a data center here for hyperconverged uh, infrastructure for the hyperscale data centers. If the cloud service is here, then now the game changes. So in Africa the data center so-called cloud is local then it's a different ball game. On cost they don't tell you that uh, when you put your one terabit db on azure you pay more for how much you compute so sometimes the cost metrics are not as they are said to be and then for some businesses opex costs is more important than the capex so you might find I'm a bank I may tell my CFO that I want to buy servers he will amortize them for whatever period but you tell them to pay an OPEX fee of x dollars a month and they'll ask you what that's directly to the the P&L they'll ask you what is what is this you are paying for immediately but they may not care so much about the, the capex items just a moment. thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. Just in closing, I'll ask a question that seems something that's come up, and I think it will be for Faris and Amrit Powell. Between the two of you, why can't you build us two nodes in-country that meet Central Bank's 50-kilometer limit distance issue? You provide the hardware, and you provide the, the software stacks. You're into and be- I'm sure Dan will give you a few racks, and then we'll talk to Icolo to give us uh, the other few and then we sort out this issue. Is this a conversation that could go on or is it a dream? It, it, it's kind of already started. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I think we're making progress. So I, think, I can see Malu with a question right at the back. Yes, please. Just before Malu, anybody else who wants to defend the CIOs, please look for me at, over lunch.
6: Yeah, uh, my name is Onali Malu from Computer Learning Center and I'll just give an update on the question on the banking of going to the cloud Most of the large banks are moving their primary data center to the cloud, meaning a colo, and still keeping the uh, secondary data center. So we already have three banks which have already moved. So I think you Nansa pole pole, start with your primary, hopefully the central bank will look at that, and then you also move your secondary, and then you're on the cloud. So we already have three banks. I cannot mention because I don't have any permission but they are already uh, co-locating. So it is happening, but with their primary data center. Thank you, Malu, for the update. And the second thing is, as we keep on talking of cloud and security, what we need to do is build capacity. And as much as we have a lot of poaching going on from Microsoft and AWS and many other companies, what we need to do is do a CSR activity and start training our youth so that they come up and support us in this journey for cloud and security thank you
0: thank you very much so amrit pal and uh, faris please co-opt uh, malu for capacity building and i believe then we can sort the problem of regulation and then as we grow smaller cloud solutions locally then we move our smes onto local clouds instead of sending them all off to AWS and the rest. Sorry if they're in the room and uh, Microsoft Azure, but I think we need to create capacity just in case the Russians decide to also walk into America and shut it down. Then we all know where the internet sits. eh? Thank you very much. And uh, round of applause, please, for my panelists. And bon appetit.